All right. Hi, guys. How you doing? How are you doing? Hi. Yeah? You good? Um, that was wacky. That was a wacky one, right? That was kind of wacky. It was good, though. So talking about Mr. Robot, uh, Season 3, Episode 3, Legacy. This is a Tyrell Wellick episode. We spent a lot of time with Tyrell and his beardy beardness. Tyrell being mountain man. Being a mountain man. man. That brother can cut some wood, man. Like, Martin, that's not like, they're not bringing in a stand-in. Brother can, like, he can, that's some serious wood chopping skills. Do you know what was funny? It was like, I was thinking, like, as as it progressed, you'd start seeing him get more cut. Right. <laughs> but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. He's just, I mean, that would be hilarious if, like, at the end of it, he could barely, like, put his arms down. But it's that's like, not this show. It's like that Geico, I think it's Geico, where he's like, Potato chip, and it cuts back and forth, and the guy just gets bigger and bigger. Please sponsor us, Geico. So this season, we we know is it just it's different. It's weird. It's uh, we're seeing other sides um, of the story because now we're we're looking at the story from other characters, right? So we're not just in a world where we're inside Elliot's head. Uh, we're not in a world where it's um, Mr. Robot and Elliot interacting. We're here where we're seeing what's going on, um, what's ha- what has taken place specifically on those three missing nights and where we went after that. Um, this is the three missing nights after the arcade hack, right? And a lot of questions were answered. I won't say that I was satisfied with um, a couple of the answers, but I'm, I'm glad I know, okay? Um, but we'll get to what I was obsessed about and how I was like, what? Womp, womp. Um, what I do think is going to happen is when you sit down and you watch all three of these seasons back to back, because we know this was written as a feature, I think that'll be a, a really satisfying watch. At least I hope so, uh, because I feel like you know when you're in when you're so down in the middle of something um, and you can't see the big master wide, it feels like what the fuck. There's a lot of what the fuck going on with each episode for me, but it's not a bad thing, you know. Um, we're getting to see um, Slater and Malik interact with the other actors in the same scene. I like the way they're doing that. Um, we're getting to see more of Slater and and the way he's actually playing Elliot. Well, actually, the way Slater's playing Rami, you know, is pretty cool. Um, and then I think uh, one thing I'm seeing in uh, Terrell is that um, he's on the verge of becoming the Jesse Pinkman of the show. I hope he doesn't just cry through all 10 episodes because they, they got him crying a lot. He is an emotional brother, but um, he does seem to cry a lot. We know by now for sure, and, and even before this episode, that uh, Terrell is totally sprung on Elliot. He's obsessed with him. He worships him um, because he has power. He knows how to get power. This plays into his own, own daddy issues of wanting to make something of himself and... Here's the one guy, you know, he's like, fuck E-Corp. This is the guy who's, who's got, he's got all the, he's got all the cookies. He's got all the stuff. And uh, we also learn in this episode, we've, we've been given a glimpse at a, just a tiny glimpse that Terrell is actually a formidable hacker himself. So he's not just hanging out with Elliot because, you know, he's got a crush on him. I don't think Elliot would allow that. I think that Elliot um, lets him hang out. And be a part of the this hack and the stage two hack is because Terrell knows what he's doing. Um, we learned some cool things about his hacker skills. 
But let's go back to like, there's some weird things like, um, so we walk through, like what happened? They're in the arcade. They've come back from, um, Tyrell's gone to Elliot's apartment. They go to the arcade. Elliot shows him what he's working on. Tyrell's totally like bugging out. This is awesome. Yeah, this is this is jumping all the way back to season one. Exactly. Right. The night of the the initial hack. Yeah. Um, they don't call it phase one, but it would be phase one, right? The five nine hack. And Elliot straight up goes over to the popcorn machine, pulls out the gun that Darlene got from Xander Jones, goes over to Tyrell, who's like, "Wait a minute," and shoots him. Like, straight up shoots Tyrell. Now we know that the squib. It's loaded with a squib, by the way. Jams. Now, we also know that point blank, a squib can still kill you. But this told me a lot of things. And you noticed something in this scene about uh, uh, Elliot. We were seeing Robot, but he was talking and acting like Elliot. So. Yeah, we had to, we, we had to stop that down. And rewind it and watch it again. Because Slater's acting like um, yeah. Moloch in this scene. It was kind of like Moloch was uh, Slater in the in the car. Exactly. So we know now that Ismail is just, you're going to have to really look for who's present at the time. And and it doesn't matter. Is it just a blend of, you know, Krista hasn't come along. She hasn't uh, talked to him yet. A lot of people don't know at this point about these two sides of Elliot. But... The point, the point what I'm trying to make is that when you notice that, I'm like, so as Elliot, he goes over and shoots Terrell. He's like, why do I need this guy? He's on to my major hack. He's, I don't, I don't need this guy. And he goes and he shoots him, misfire. And then, you know, Terrell and all of his crazy God talk is like, we could, we could be gods together. This is awesome. Kneels before him and says, you know, shoot me again. And if he had have shot him again, he would have killed him. Because Irving explains later. Hey, you know, you got lucky. That first one was a jam and it was a squib and blah, blah, blah. I don't know why the first round is a squib. I have no idea if that was something that Elliot planned. Um, did You know, is Darlene doing that? I don't know. So that, I mean, maybe it's a forest for the trees kind of answer, but. Well, now you have your explanation of the um, the case, the, the shell casing. The shell casing. And in this the arcade. Again, Are you satisfied is, with that? No. Because. Here's why I'm not satisfied with that. I mean, I knew it was going to come down to Elliot probably firing the gun as Robot or Elliot, right? It just had to be. They're the only two people in the arcade, and Terrell so hung up on his boo, he's not going to shoot him, at least not now, right? Or maybe it was a demonstration of how do you shoot a gun. I don't know. It was something like that between the two of them. But when he does this whole thing about shooting him, and it rolls under the, the Duck Mallard shooting game, Here's Elliot who's so careful about covering his tracks. You know, was he distracted? Was he switching back and forth too much to not think about a fucking shell casing? Yeah, but it's the same thing about with the flipper thing. I mean, right. he was like just he Is knew he it wanting was to chipped. get caught? Does he yeah, is he planting something there? Does he know something we don't know about the FBI? You know, is Elliot on to what the FBI is doing by then? Is he, does he know he's on their radar and he's going to give them something? Because it just seems, I really want that to be true because it's just very reckless and lazy for a guy who's otherwise very careful. Well, not jumping forward, but I'm jumping forward. It is very Sloppy Joe's. That's, that's, it's Sloppy Joe's. It's Sloppy Joe's. And then that's why Irving you know, shows up. And we also learned some cool things about Irving. But let's go. I like that. Um, so they go away and, um, you know, Tyrell 
Okay, so let's just get to the point where Irving shows up. So we see outside the F Society arcade, we see here's Irving and two of his Dark Army henchmen dudes. And he's like, I'm going to go in and monologue, and you guys, you know, don't show your guns until it's time kind of thing. And he goes in and he's like, hey, you guys fucked up. If I'm here, you have fucked up. And this, they have never seen this guy before. Or Elliot has and he just doesn't remember him. But again, Slater is reacting and his mannerisms are like Malik's. Uh, do you know, I think, I think Mr. Robot has seen him before. Yeah, I think so too. I really do think so. So, so again, Irving's like, this guy, he doesn't seem to fucking... So he's just like, you know, you guys have... Uh, well, what is the major fuck up here? What have they actually done that's, that he has to come and say sloppy joes? In your mind, in your estimation. Well, see, this is because the, they want the five nine hack to happen. Yeah, it's because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to. I'm, is it Terrell murders out chick? That's I, that's I pretty sloppy. That's, that's part of it. Um, the fact that now Godard <laughs> has um, he's been killed, killed, but or but or, told the FBI. Yeah, that was the huge. That was the biggest fuck up here, I think. But it's 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 I was like it's it's I don't. I can't put my finger on it because right now I'm still trying to put every all the pieces together right. as far as right. timeline. Because right now I am going back to um, – this is all before season two even happens. Of course. And then whatever happens you know, throughout this episode is going throughout season two. So I'm not really sure what the fuck up well, is. Well, for me, I think it was that you know, Terrell loses it on the rooftop and, and strangles out you know, Sharon Oles. I think secondly it's because you know, James at IT – over at Evil, Evil Corp, was notified by Gideon, and this honeypot, you know, started getting scrutinized, and that information was handed over, uh, over to the FBI by Gideon, which now leads me to believe in my very paranoid mind from watching the show that the man who assassinated Gideon at the bar uh, was planted there to kill him under the ruse of, you know, you're the best, the biggest crisis actor I've ever seen, or the best, and shoots him. Was he a dark army? Uh, plant himself, or well, that just coincidentally happened. But well, but the big fuck up here is that you got on the FBI's radar in, in two different ways. You murdered somebody, and yet this whole evil core thing. How does Irving know that Terrell is going to be the the number one most wanted person? I think they said because it. Because they already have somebody in the FBI, so they had to have set this up. Of course. I think they needed... Um, I needed they needed Tyrell as their patsy. They're using him as this fall guy in a very specific, perpetuated way. And honestly, I'm sure again it's one of those things where we think about all these little ancillary things about the show, and then I'll probably we'll wrap the podcast and I'll go, oh, because it's this big obvious thing. But yeah, they're telling him you're you're about to be more wanted than Bin Laden, and Tyrell seems to be like, okay, cuckoo, you know. So we don't know what that deal is and how it's been forged or why. Um, but that seems to have been like the plan from the get go. And, you know, again, playing into Terrell's, you know, power tripping thing. Uh, maybe he loves this notion. I, I'm, this gives him the fame yeah. and the power and the stuff he's always craved. So like what watching this also takes me back to the episode where white Rose is talking to uh, his, his right or her right hand. No, it's, it's actually, it's, He's not as White Rose. He's as the... Um, is Zhang? Yeah. And they're in the elevator, and he's talking about... Um, His lover assistant? Yeah. Yes. And he's like, you know, 
these two people are too are are uh, uh, too unstable. I automatically went and changed the what what I was thinking. It's not for me. It wasn't I Elliot took it Robot. As, it was Elliot and um, Tyrell. Tyrell. Okay, yeah. And it's like because, easily because sure. they know who he is. And even when um, Irving was like, "Did you finally get to meet the Swede?" It's like they know of him. Sure. And he's he's like he's like Elliot's guy. So we can't really control him yet. We have to control him through Elliot. It's just Well, I mean again, we're trying to I think we're trying to solve pieces yeah. of the puzzle that have yet to be so that's kind of not where my head is until the, the end of. Well, we, I'll be thinking about this stuff in the finale. I'm not trying to cut you off and say, you know, think about it this way. But I just know that I can't answer these questions. No, it's just this is just the stuff that goes is going on. Sure, in, in exactly. The, in the mind, you're when just spitballing. You're just spitballing. Um, but going to this this sort of one side love relationship, Terrell has fallen hard for Elliot. Elliot, um, I don't think feels the same way at all. But I think he's going to exploit it for sure. Um, you know, Terrell is, Terrell is so, he's so sad. He gets all dressed up after being out in the woods and stuff and wants to shave his beard and put his suit on. He's like, I want to look nice for him. I'm like, dude, he wears all black. He's wearing like jeans and a hoodie and a shirt that looks like he doesn't really wash it a whole lot. I don't know who you're trying to impress, but whatever. Um, who knows? He looked like more more like Elliot when he was wearing his sweats and his John Deere hat. Yeah, he I was thought like, that was a I cool liked, look. I liked beardy, woody, chopping, um, isolated, shining Terrell. Um, and he seemed a little bit more at home being off-hinged in the woods. Anyway, um, so going forward, the um, when we're talking about him shooting Terrell... And I don't know if this matters, but it matters to me, and I think it matters to you. If Elliot could just straight over, straight up go over to Trell and shoot him, he shot Romero, man. Yeah, I mean, we've always we've always thought that that he did Romero. Stray bullet, my ass. Yeah. Even though I think we're going to find out that Dom is more right than anybody else in this story, and maybe it was a stray bullet, but that just felt very random in a show that's not about random. You know, I don't believe that. So. If he's got this point-blank way of doing that, unless there's something surrounding that squib idea, I don't know. I think he shot Romero for whatever reason. Um, so, And then there's this weird moment. So he goes to shoot Terrell. Gun jams. Guy gets on his knees. He doesn't shoot him. And then he kind of has this thought. He said, well, I guess I could probably use you. And in the split second, he does this kind of switch over to like, well, I don't know how much support I'm going to need, you know, I'm going to have right now. So, yeah, I could probably use you. And then he hands the gun to Terrell and says, you might just be the perfect kind of crazy to protect me from me. So this is where we set up to, you know, Terrell shooting him Yeah. later on. And it was just all of these things are happening. Now, I'm kind of interpreting this as Elliot and Robot just flipping back and forth constantly in this scene. Where he's just kind of having one of these, he's not having a meltdown, but he's just doing this constant switching and constant, both sides of his brains are, his brain is contemplating this situation. Use Tyrell, how would I use him? This is what I would do. Or this is Elliot going, this is how I would use him, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. The whole season's fucking with me already because there's this switch between the two personalities that it's very difficult to track at this point. Um... 
talking about where Tyrell is and his position, uh, I read this quote uh, from Cora Donna about uh, where we are with Tyrell, and he says, uh, without stepping in any, uh, into any puddles, I believe this quote does a good job of capturing Tyrell's position. Teach me, dear creature, how to think and speak. Lay open to my earthly gross conceit. Smothered in errors, feeble, shallow, weak. The folding meaning of your words deceit. The folded meaning of your words deceit. I mean, we'd have to sit down and break that down. Um, There's some deep shit going on in that writer's room. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Because, you know, later on we have Tyrell quoting Deuteronomy uh, 23, chapter 1. And... This is on the heels of Irving rolling up when he's in the woods and saying, oh, sorry to hear about it, buddy. Your um, your wife's divorcing you. And he says something about, you know, there's a lot of fish in the sea or whatever. You're going to bounce back. And I'm trying to find that quote. It says, um, this is Deuteronomy 23.1. No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Meaning, I've got to be a full whole man before I roll back to my lady. Am I, am I taking that wrong? Am I putting that, am I putting the wrong spin on that? I don't know. No, I I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, because he's obsessed. He's sitting in the cabin yeah. and he's doing several things. He's growing out his, his luxurious beard. He's chopping wood. He's uh, prepping stage two. Um, he's checking on, he's hacked into his, the baby monitoring, uh, the monitor at the house. So he can look at his baby. And then he's following all the headlines online and finding out that Joanna has a side piece. And then finding out that she's filing for divorce. And this all comes off the heels of... Um, Do you think he hacked into that baby monitor? I'm sure he did. It wasn't given to him by... Oh, well, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. I'm just know. trying to, you know. But anyway, he's a... Uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I think it was... I, again, I think I, I think it was given to him by... Irving. Irving and said, "Here you go. You can look at your baby." Um, and I, I think it's they—they they got their hand. If this is so calculated, that I don't know, <laughs> weird. I know it's so many things that happen that are that are nuts. You know. Okay, so I'm kind of jumping around. We we learn that Elliot drives to the lot. He drives Terrell's car to the lot. He's told like to lay low. Okay, he sleeps in the car. That's yeah, and he's there for a couple days, right? He's sleeping in the car, yeah. like dude. Or is he? Um, so, and then they disappear, Terrell. And now he's, he's out in the college cottage. And there's a strange moment where he's woken up by the sound of, like, crashing or whatever. And he goes in and there's two dark army people sitting on the sofa watching, you know, some cartoons. I'm sure the cartoon is significant as well, but I didn't have time to like go into it. But then he goes into the kitchen and here's Wallace Shawn as Mr. Williams um, at the dinner table. And he's brought some special Swedish tea. Um, and Terrell's like, no thanks. We don't know if this is in the middle of the night. I'm sure it could have been. Uh, and he's going to interrogate this guy. And he's hitting Terrell with a bunch of questions. You know, have you ever cheated on your wife? Do you hate your father? Uh, what were the other questions? Um, were you fired from, um, from E-Corp? E-Corp? Did you kill Sharon Knowles? Did you kill Sharon Knowles? You know, will you be loyal to me? Will you be loyal to me? And you know by the X's that Mr. Williams are putting next to the questions that he's just asked these questions repeatedly while uh, snorting uh, cocaine, cocaine or whatever he's snorting. 
um, while the tea kettle boils and he he breaks down Terrell through this interrogation uh, scene. And we finally, by the way, this is done to uh, Polymorphia's, um, to Polymorphia. It's um, Pendereki's piece. And it was used both in The Shining and The Exorcist. So the show likes to do a lot of shout outs to, you know, Fight Club and Exorcist and Shining and other things. So this scene is where Williams is breaking him down and he finally is like, yeah, I cheated on my wife. No, he says, did you cheat on your wife? And he said, no, because we know Joanna knows that he, about his extramarital affairs. Yeah. You know, that's part of their, how they roll. So did you cheat on your wife? No. Have you had sex with other people since you've been married? Yes. Um, did you kill Sharon Knowles? He acknowledges yes. Do you hate your father? Yes. Will you be loyal to me? No. And he's like, no, I will not. And so we, now we see White Rose's lover assistant walk in, about to give the nod to like, okay, we've got to kill this fool because, you know, we can't control him from our end. Yeah, this, and this is where I went back to, you know, this was like for the, the first time they get to get their hands on him. Right. And put him, and interrogate because I mean, again, he was he's Elliot's guy, right? And this is the beginning. I know I've jumped around. It's not I'm not trying to do a recap, but this is way before the chopping wood Deuteronomy. He gets on with the program and Pep's prep yeah. stage two. This is the very beginning. This right? is the, yeah, they 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 send in their cleaner. They get him. Now they got to send in their interrogator. Right. And then that last sentence: "I will always be loyal to Elliot." Right. It's like okay. And then the lover assistant's like, oh, yeah, we can use this. We can use this. Because we got Elliot. We know we can totally, you know, we, we think we, you know, Elliot's a little bit of a slippery eel. But we can kind of make this work. They are, But they've already sort of have the playbook on Elliot. Sure. They've been working on him for a while. Maybe so. I think he's going to prove to be unpredictable. But they think they have they a handle They think they, yeah. yeah. Um, Elliot doesn't have a handle on Elliot, so I don't know where they... This scene, by the way, was inspired, this interrogation scene, uh, according to Core, uh, from the scene in The Master, the no-blinking scene. It's a scene between Viking Phoenix and um, Phil Seymour Hoffman. Um, so they do get their inspiration for stuff like that. Rami was also in The Master. See how all of these things are interconnected? Um, on and on and on it goes. So then we know, we go to the place where, oh, so Mr. Williams says, you know, stage two, it has a code name. It's called Red Wheelbarrow. So, you know, again, this is totally Elliot Robot manipulating Tyrell because he knows about this Red Wheelbarrow quote, quote from his dad, from Tyrell's dad. And it feels like probably an homage or an inspiration or a kick in the ass. So like, don't be like your dad. Stage two is going to make us powerful. Here's your Red Wheelbarrow project. And um, I think that, you know, really speaks to Tyrell. And then Tyrell learns that Elliot's in jail. And he he keeps demanding, by the way, this entire time, like, he tells Irving when he first steps into the cottage, you know, uh, Irving says, look, if you if you need, if you just absolutely need to talk to your wife, we can work that out. And Terrell is like, nope, it's better for both of us if I just stay away. Um, and then he goes, I need the gun back. And Irving's like, look, you're sitting on 37 anchors. There's no, there's no reason for you to need a gun. Uh, we got you. 
And then he's like, where's Elliot? And he's always about where's Elliot. He wants to know where he is. He's just, he just doesn't want to be separated from him. And he goes, I don't want to work on stage two without him. They're like, well, dude's in jail. And it's going to be a set of months because he's over at Queensboro serving as what, what would ultimately be eight months, right? And then he finally he gets a call from Elliot in prison because now we know in season two, Elliot was like, where's Terrell? Where's Terrell? And he's fighting with Mr. Robot, like, give it up, give it up, give it up. Even in the 90s scene, you know, he's in the trunk of this car and, you know, I'm a businessman and the whole nine. And finally he calls from the red phone, which is basically the prison phone. And there's that whole call of, you know, hello, is it really you? And it's like Bonsoir Elliot, which the FBI have totally recorded in play for Darlene. Yeah. When she says these two guys are not connected. So this – But it's not, it's not like the FBI had something up on them. I think – they were just monitoring them. They're for... just, I mean, they're just monitoring it. I think they're pretty much on their radar at this point. Because, I mean, but you, he has, there's, the, there's, uh, what's his name? The, um, uh, the boss of, uh, the, the inside guy on the FBI. Yeah. It's like he's Santiago. Tip, Santiago. He's mm-hmm. tipping everyone. I think they're, I, that, that recording was planned. And I think it was sort of maybe a, a gift to, uh, Dom. Yeah. Just another you know? MacGuffin, another red herring. Another yeah, I, yeah. Could be. I mean, and that's you're usually right about these things because I'm usually like, look at this thing over here. And you're like, no, but this is the thing can, over here. Can we – before we go forward, can we go sure. back to uh, stage two? It's mm-hmm. called the red wheelbarrow. Right. Right? So that red wheelbarrow is a Tyrell reference. Right. Okay. So the first – Based on the poem that his dad on the, is the only English his father knew. Exactly. The glazed water and the white chickens. So and the, yeah. when they get out of that car and Elliot is Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. that's the first time he hears of Red Wheelbarrow, right? Yeah. But stage two is Elliot's. Well, it's Elliot and Tyrell. Well, it's, it's, it's Elliot's idea because wasn't – but the Dark Army was like he he doesn't know what stage two is. That was his yeah, idea. Definitely his art. He's the architect of it, of course. So he from that conversation is able to communicate to the Dark Army mm-hmm. that we're going to call this stage two Red Wheelbarrow. Right. But he's in prison this whole time. Exactly. So he's talking to Leon, who's talking to Irving. Who's giving all the information back to White Rose? To White Rose. Mm-hmm. So I'm just again putting just trying to track, trying just trying the, to track. And then the funny part is all of these Red Wheelbarrow barbecues or grand openings are happening around New York because totally it's a front for the Dark Army. They obviously have a sense of humor because <laughs> you know uh, the hamburger man is always eating Red Wheelbarrow barbecue, but that seems to be you know Dark Army front, which I find that little because remember Elliot goes. Was that them or was that me? But it was totally him taking that from Terrell. Um, these, I mean, just these th- these these connect these connective uh, points on all the things. It's just it's that's there's a lot I, there. Yeah, and and you know, sometimes I think it's just them going, oh, but this would be cute. And then sometimes it's really distracting when they're trying to be like, oh, here's a thing. Um, I appreciate moments like this, though. I loved uh, Gordon Lightfoot's "If You Could Read My Mind" as part of the music for the wood chopping baby monitor looking at the wife's kind of world thing. Um, music is always appreciated in this show. So I just wanted to, that was supposed to be more smoothly referred to when I was talking about the wood chopping, but hey, can't always be clever. Um, we know that after that phone call from Elliot 
Terrell gets like super upset. And he tells Irving like he, he was acting very strangely. And I think what where he is by now is that he he wants Elliot to reciprocate some of the this these feelings for him. Whether it be just on the project or um, emotionally, he's wanting something from him and he's not getting it. He's getting this disconnected dude who's like, who are you? And he's like, dude, I'm your boo. I'm calling. What the hell? You named the thing after my thing. And, and I think he throws a shit because of that. We never really hear the end of that conversation um, between Elliot and Terrell from Queensboro. So I don't know if he said something like, you know, whatever. What would he say to like to make him cry? It's uh, yeah, it's just kind of the um I think it was more of the just leave me alone, don't remember me. It I could mean, be. forget about me. It's just like cuz he says I I don't understand why he's why he's acting this way. Right. You know, and it's almost the same as Irving who's just remember he's like, like what the fuck? Well, we also he wanted know- to call this thing off. I, what did you do to get him back on board? It's, I think both of them, because they both don't know what really is wrong with Elliot. Right. And Elliot, at this point. Elliot Robot is he's very frustrated to deal. He's very frustrating to deal with, right? I mean, and you go back to in the arcade after um, Elliot goes to shoot him and does blah 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 and be stage two with me and here's you know here's a gun and you're my Huckleberry and you're gonna be my guy and then you know Terrell goes I love it. He goes eh but. That's what I've said. <laughs> Subtext, dude. Um, and it's like he's – you know, it's like we've all had this relationship where you have someone that maybe you're into them on the side. You know, like you're you're not really totally into them, but they're there and they're kind of a placeholder. You need them right now. but And they're all like sprung on you and a hold hands in public and you're like, no, nah, let's not – let's keep this a secret between us. And right now Terrell's feeling this very much so, I think. He's like, uh, and I do think that more has transpired between these two guys, except for just these conversations. I really do. I think that Robot would have crossed the street to make sure that Tyrell was in his back pocket. So I think something more, uh, to some degree, physical has transpired. I think when Tyrell shows up at Elliot's apartment and puts those gloves on, he's going to beat the shit out of him to get his information. And I think Robot shows up and goes, "I'll try the love con." And we'll work that out. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. It's not important necessarily. I'm just saying I think that how it is important is that Robot has his ways of manipulating people. And so does Elliot. So it, one of those personalities got this man to turn into a blithering, crying idiot after being a vampire kind of cold guy. Yeah, I mean, you, who is given to his emotions? He did strangle a chick on the roof. You, you do, I, I'm starting to see that Elliot really is not a good person. He's not. You know, he's he not. Really, he's isn't. really not the hero you think he is. No, he's not a hero at all. I don't think Elliot's ever been a hero. No. Like he might do things like save Flipper, and he may, you know, hack all the the shit bags at Ecor at Evil Core. You know, and he's getting rid of all the embezzlers and blah blah blah. But. And, the, and sex harassers and the, all those kind of guys. But there's still, you know, obviously there's a very dark side to him, which is Mr. Robot. I mean, yeah. they're, they may be played by two different actors, but I'm always like that, that dark shit comes out of his own mind. Yeah, he's, he's, he's as Elliot, willing to put every sim- single person's life at risk. 
and, in and, his the, life. and I don't know because we go back to that Kevin McAllister scene in, in episode two, um, and I just I, there's something to the way he looks off into the distance before he says, "Yeah, that was the day I got pushed out the window." I don't know if that brain injury created a space, a placeholder for Mister Robot. It feels like it did. It created the space for the DID. Uh, there's some that are theorizing that that is actually the space that was created for the parallel universe between Elliot literally switching uh, parallel universes between uh, another version of himself or his dad. I mean, that science fiction stuff could could crop up. I think Time Machine's been shot down by Ismail, but I think parallel universes uh, is definitely in play here because he seems to shift, and I don't think it's purely DID, you know. I think there's something happening here, and I'm, I can't wait to see how that plays into it. So let's cut over to Tyrell. He, um, he's, he's upset. He's had this conversation with, uh, with Elliot, and that and then the divorce and the whole thing, he's, he's, he's had it, and he trips out, grabs his backpack, and to Cypress Hill. Um, ain't going out like that. Ain't going out like that, but turns out <laughs> he walks right up to like a local cop. Uh, local Ponine, first encounter he has, Ponine chases him down. He's like, I'm going to take a selfie with you. I can't believe this. I nabbed like this guy. He's got the biggest fish ever. And he's waiting on to be picked up. I think the program's UFAP. I don't know what the UFAP stands for, but it's like a deal they have with if you spot this guy, you've got to call it into like the feds and a specific way to call into a specific group of people because Santiago we find out set that up because they meet on a lonely road Terrell's over here like popping his finger out of joint so he can get out of his handcuffs and next thing you know the cops brains splattered all over the front seat and that's Santiago going all right you know and then you see him like bawling out Irving going I'm sorry, that could have gone so many couple, uh, millions of ways to sideways. What the fuck, dude? And I'm already getting heat up at the office. Yeah, I've got Dom up my ass. I have a real cop doing real jobs, you know, and real stuff. So Irving's like, well, you know, we didn't have a, it wasn't our best day, you know. But the Santiago thing had been out there for a while. And I, I thought I had told you in just one of our backyard conversations, I feel like I betrayed you. That that rumor kind of—I did not see that one coming. That theory, rumor, what have you, kind of popped up just a couple of things that he did. You know, it felt like he was always thwarting uh, Dom. He was always—it just felt like he was—he was just doing stuff. He wasn't in the shootout. That was probably one of the first hints. You know, he's—he's talking her out of like certain ways to go after things. Just always tamping her down. So there's theories that, like, if they can control a lot of other stuff, they can control people from the inside no, of the it, FBI. No, it, it makes total sense. Because it makes total sense. if Santiago and Dom were, like, on the same page and, like, really barreling down toward this, they'd at least be able to do some damage. But she's a mid-level field agent, as she's already said. So what is she going to be able to do? She's going to be our, you know, our really frustrated Elliot Ness. And, like, I know all the stuff that's happened, and I can't prove it. A uh, big scene that happened in this episode. It wasn't all about Terrell. Uh, we are at White Rose's uh, beach house. We don't know where that is. She's on the ocean. I say she. I can say Zhang when he is in his male persona. I would say maybe he. So Zhang is sitting on the couch. It's yeah. not White Rose. And Frank Cody is summoned to see Zhang. 
And we see that he is completely a mouthpiece of the Dark Army. And I think Frank Coney is supposed to be like our Alex Jones kind of character. He's a conspiracy theorist. So, yeah. We don't know what network he's on, but yeah. possibly a Fox-type network. Um, now, this, it, is, this is where I saw, I mean, again, talking about this duality. Mm-hmm. It, it, this scene is what really showed me how evil uh, White or Zhang is. I always thought that he was not as bad as Price, but like they're one and the same. They're one and the same. It's like I think the only redeeming quality about Zhang, well, he has several, I think, and most of them kind of fall into the place of when he lives his true self as White Rose. Because I think ultimately being able to explore parallel universes has a lot of positive benefits. I mean, or could, you know, start Skynet and everybody dies. But I think there's something to her that is good and kind. But she's playing in a world where she has to literally swing that dig around and be like, okay. Who's going to control the world? It's not going to be these guys. It's not going to be the Philip Prices of the world. I'm going to take what's out there, what's already on the board, and play my own game of chess and call the moves. So you can take it. Again, I don't think anybody's purely good or purely bad on this show except for maybe Flipper. Um, And again, as we said, Flipper could probably be Dark Army. So we know that Frank Cody is out there, and one of the things that Zhang requests is that for some reason, we need to keep Tyrell's image uh, positive at all times. And uh, Cody's like, I mean, why don't we just say that, you know, something, invoke Obama. You know, people love to defend the things that he hates. And um, our other request is that they place F Society's origin in Iran. And Cody says it's brown enough, shouldn't be too hard to, to do. So they're they're throwing out all of these, you know, red herrings, MacGuffins. That's, that's, those are the two words of this episode. Uh, I think last episode it was literally. And then the last request that he makes of Cody is, you know, we want to push Trump as the next president and put that out there. That and was like, another surprise to me. Yeah. And, I mean, there's, there's no way that Ismail was going to avoid this because he's a political guy. This is, this is where he kind of lives. And he wanted to embrace it. I've seen like 50-50 kind of um, acceptance and and rejection of this, the way he handled it. Um, I'm not surprised that he did it, and I'm not really surprised that he would use a Frank Cody type. He's speaking directly to this is how this was planted in the world. And you all may be looking at the Russians and... Yeah, like he he didn't put it on the nose like that. No, but he said it could be a lot of people. I mean, I don't think he would deny that Russia had its huge part in this and that it wasn't... It was a lot of just like fake news. But here's Frank Cody's piece in it. Push this guy. Uh, And he's like, but he's a buffoon. He's like totally divorced from reality. And he's like, you know, well, you can make a puppet dance however you want to. And all of that is not wrong. Yeah. And and it's, again, you know, maybe... I like how he's showing that it's not just like what we are hearing about a lot of our politicians, for, even from the left, how it's it's Russia's fault, this and that, which I'm not saying it's not. But he, but what, what Ismail is doing, he's showing that there is a lot of involvement within your own country. Sure. Your well, own people. And going back to that, that speech that we get from Elliot, you know, talking about how, you know, Trump is all of our fault. 
It's not just a right-wing thing. It's not just a, you know, it's not just a lip. It's all of us. Yeah. We all brought this motherfucker to bear and, and motherfuckers like him. So, yeah, it's, the show is getting political. People, again, people who are getting really pissed off about Sam Ismail and Mr. Robot being political. I don't know if you've been watching the show since day one, but it's kind of where the show lives. Um, I want a side note here. So, I don't know if this is true. I feel like, and I, I, I do not know one lick of Mandarin. Um, but I think like B.D. Wong's Mandarin must be not so awesome because it's the second time that she said to her um, a lover assistant, you need to speak English and use Rosetta Stone because I feel like her uh, Mandarin feels like Cisco's Mandarin. Only he's a white dude speaking Mandarin and it's, you know, it's a New Yorker guy learning Mandarin and it was like really slow and choppy i don't know I don't, does it matter but i was just like yeah i don't know i think bd wong is like dude let's just going yeah. forward let's just all speak english it'll be great um because i think the the lover assistant actually speaks really good mandarin anyway i don't know uh let's talk about uh irving irving is a delight um irving is we've learned in this episode that irving has been around for a while he's been around from the get um he's he's been there on Pre five nine hack, he's working with all of these entities. He's the main henchman um, that White Rose has entrusted, which is which is insane because he is a used car salesman salesman through and through. And there's something fascinating about why she would entrust this guy with so many important things. Um, and then he just he actually has a car lot which is a great front, but I think he actually is, he's really concerned with like his sales guys moving cars to the degree that he has like all of these coffee mugs that are relatable to like clients to manipulate them into a sale. And that's how he uses the uh, number one dad. He's got that mug when he gives Terrell. When he talks to Terrell, that's right. Yeah, he gives him this whole thing about my boys mean everything to me and I finally got my family back and we're going to watch Big Brother tonight and, and all this kind of stuff. And He's talking to one of his car salesman guys, and he goes, you need to get the cup, and you need to relate. You need to find a place to relate to them and sell the car next time. He goes, but you don't even have kids. And we find out that Irving is a grand manipulator from all sides. I mean, he probably has a lot in common with Mr. Robot in that aspect. You know, He can, he can so easily lie. And... Um, we see him sort of tucked yeah. away in the garages. He has this little apartment in the garage, and uh, I mean, it's in the sales office there, some grimy little place. And we see him working on his um, beach towel, a novel. <laughs> and he's currently on chapter four, A Wink Gone Wrong. Uh, this book sounds perfectly horrible, and I hope that it is released by the show because I want to read every page of it. Um, hopefully, they will. Uh, Bring that out. I love Irving in the show. I like what they're doing with Bobby, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. He just, you know, and again, I think a lot of Bobby can be a little bit, like, he's such a force. Um, it's like you, you just, you you have to know how to use a guy like that who's just so powerful. And they're, they're so far putting just the right amount of Bobby because he, he's just making it work for me. Um. We get to see him interact with Leon. He goes to see Leon at Queensboro. And, you know, he goes, how's it been going? <laughs> and Leon just goes, like, off on this tangent. 
It's great. He's like, yeah, I got to murder a bunch of neo-Nazi motherfuckers, you know? I mean, like, hey, I mean... I'm not about murdering, but... I'm all about, you know, about life, but it did feel kind of good. And Irving is like, no, I was asking you about Alderson, motherfucker. Because he's looking around like, you just confessed to, like, murdering, like, what, six people? (laughs) And Leon's like, oh, yeah, no, he's going to get his papers. He's going to be out of here soon. Because we realize, uh, we hear also in that conversation between uh, Zhang and Lover Assistant that... They worked on an early release. So Lover Assistant yeah. had to go off and like figure out how to get Elliot out of jail. And he's like, dude, he went in there voluntarily. How am I going to have to work this? So Yeah, they that, had was, to pull that was a, kind of like their um, – it's like Elliot doing that kind of like threw a little wrench. Oh, in yeah, the they're like this out. fucking guy. But it seems to amuse Jang. Yeah. He found it very amusing. And he's just saying, look, you know, is this request, you know, bothering you? But I need you to like go get him out of the pokey. Come on. Send our guys in there, protect him. And then he finally asked, what did he steal? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, uh, Flipper, the dog. And he just, Jang this, just like, that was... this evil laugh about him. I think he was very bemused. He was no. like, this motherfucker right here yeah. is crazy. But then uh, we know that Leon uh, suggests to Irving that um, he get Elliot laid when he gets out of here. He's, he says he's wound tighter than a chinchilla's asshole. Props for working in Chinchilla's asshole into that line. Um, Another surprising thing we find that Irving, another person that we find that Irving is uh, connected to is Cisco. This was probably one of the bigger, what? Record scratches for me of the episode is that it's also good to see Cisco back. I I like that character of Michael Dreher. And he's with um, Darlene. And she's, Giving him a film to sell. And she's like, we need this programmed like ASAP. There's a lot of worry warts back at the house. Now, what she is handing him the film to sell for in her mind is to hack into the FBI's um, Android phone system. Right? So then they have this conversation where he's like, do you ever think about just like not doing this at all? Like me and you just being a regular couple and going to Budapest or some shit. And she's like, Okay, I should have never let you fuck me. And he gets up and she's like, shut up, dick face. I'm just joking. Like, look, let's get this done. And once we get this little thing done, and she thinks she's just doing this piece here, then we'll think about going to Budapest. And then we we track with Cisco when he gets in the car with um, Irving and a Dark Army um, minion dude, his main contact. And he hands the femme to sell to the Dark Army dude in the back. In the back and he said that they need it back. And Irving is reading him and just saying, hey, man, you know, do not fall for her. She's a job. Yeah, this has always been a job. So now we're getting the dynamic of this, that Dark Army saw away, White Rose saw away, whomever, that we were involving Elliot. His sister has some skills. How do we keep her in play? How do we keep her? How do we use her? And I think Cisco was there to target her and whatever, and they ended up falling for each other, unfortunately, which I think is what gets him killed besides, you know, Darlene being way in over her head. Well, I mean, right before he gets out of the car, there was that last warning. He said, look, she's protected. You're not. Exactly. Um, And so he wasn't. 
Wow. You know, kablooey. And, and all the so other... So now that answered our question of like, they could have popped, you know, Darlene right then yeah. and there. Everyone in F Society, all those guys, Romero, Trenton, Mobley, none of those guys are protected. Except for Darlene, right? Except for Darlene. Because I think they know that if they kill Darlene, that might send Elliot off the deep end. You know what I mean? Make him reckless, whatever. And they could also use her um, to manipulate him if they keep her alive until they decide not to. So... That was a kind of a an, a crazy reveal that Cisco, you know, she was a mark of the Dark Army. Yeah. Um, and so then we find out that the femtocell now travels to the woods where um, Tyrell is chopping wood and whatever, and he gets the femtocell and he is supposed to put the real the major stage two backdoor hack on it. That's what he was getting it for. And he turns around to uh, Irving and he goes, what is this Android malware shit on here? And he's like, doesn't answer him. He goes, why am I even asking you? I should be working on this with Elliot. But he's like, you know, he just does it. But this would be the Berenstain hack. Berenstain FBI hack. That's what the Android hack was. How they get to hear people talking about the real shit and Comey and whatever. So they, again, that's a a distraction um, that Darlene is part of, but she she used to get that's main business. Yeah, she just thinks that it's because all they 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 need to to get a hold of information mm-hmm. and trying to erase it, but it really was that back door, right? So that's why later on she's like, "What the fuck?" Because yeah, the film to sell thing you did that was totally like that opened it up, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Also, now that we know that Sis, uh, I want to go back to something Cisco's relationship with the Dark Army and the Mark and the whole nine, you know that they know now that Darlene has also killed uh, the lawyer. So, you know, when she tased in the pool. Yeah, yeah. Her name is escaping me right now. It should uh, come back to me. I want to say Sharon knows. It's not Sharon Knowles. It's, it's one of the – anyway. So the lawyer, you know, they've got this dirt on her. They don't have the evidence necessarily because, you know, she burnt up in the oven. Mm-hmm. Maybe it makes no never mind of them. But anyway um, – so finally, they release Tyrell because Elliot's now out of jail, and they're going to bring them together. Finally, and Tyrell is so excited uh, about this. And Elliot gets out, has his French fries with Darlene, and then he gets that red wheelbarrow code. <laughs> Remember, Santiago's like, "Dude, I had to do all of this math just to figure out the fucking phone number." And you're lucky that I found it out in time. But Mister Robot sits down uh, during the mind of. Uh, Mind Awake, Body Asleep segment in season two and figures out, like, how to hook up with Terrell. He calls and they meet. And we turn out – it turns out that it's outside this uh, Fukan hotel where – The safe house for him. The safe house, the safe, which is obviously owned by, you know, Dark Army. And he's uh, – he gets himself all gussied up for, for uh, Elliot. And what that does in Elliot's mind is – he sees a Tyrell that looks almost intact, and he's, like, saying to him when he meets him in the scene before in, in last season, he's like, why are you walking around like that, man? Like, look at you. You're, you're the most wanted man, and you're walking around looking exactly like you do and like you're mugshot. Uh, and it was because Tyrell wanted to, to, to be presentable for Elliot, which I found that to be a little interesting thing. And they go in, and uh, 
he's shown around the place, which Tyrell had seen earlier when he was Beardy Tyrell. He's like, Elliot's going to love it. This is going to be great. It's going to be our little love nest. We're going to do stage two and hold hands and drink wine and stuff. Yeah. And, or drink vodka straight from the bottle. That's how Tyrell rolls. So then we go into, we see the hint of that scene where Elliot's like, what the fuck, man? Do you see this guy? Because he still thinks he's not real, which leads up to the gunshot. And we know that sequence and how we ended um, season two. So now we wake up and he's in surgery in that same room. They showed up and performed surgery. And Tyrell's over there. He's bugging out because he's like, this room is not sterile. This is not cool. And Angela's sitting here going, dude, calm down. It's cool. And and Angela feel like, she just feels like she's a zombie or something. She is kind of like that. Yeah. So she's like, bro, calm down. And he's like. I don't know. We were meant to be a team. It's just sometimes he's like a different person. And she's like, I need to tell you something. Sometimes he is a different person. And he's got all this information. And I think he's processing it as we see Elliot wake up. And he's looking directly at her. He's looking directly at Angela. So I think he's robot. He wakes up as robot. And then he smiles, Elliot smiles, and then we cut to a quick flash of him as robot smiling. And I took this to mean that Elliot finally has Terrell where he wants him. He has his belief, if you will. If you're going back to the white rose to Angela, you know, I I want your belief uh, connection. There's something to this. This is how I have Tyrell in the palm of my hand. You know, and he also has the balls to shoot me, you know, to save this. I know that, you know, he he did exactly what I asked him to do. I don't know. There's something to that. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, again, it's it's so mind-blowing. It's, I'm not saying, you know, like, you know, bow down and all this type of shit, but it's just so much fun to watch. It is fun. It is fun. I know there's a lot of, I'm seeing it all over the place. There's a lot of just like, this is the best show ever. And they go, what the fuck? Fuck these guys. And I know the ratings are, um, they're fairly low, but I think it's because people don't, I don't know. They're not giving it a shot. Maybe. Well, it's like, I haven't given shit a shot before myself. Yeah. I, I, I to find out later. That was a pretty good show. I'm, I'm the fact that I, I like season two so much. Yeah, is making me really like this next season a lot more. I feel so too. I feel I feel the same way. It's like I, I it's really... like they're they're picking up and they're just they're running really fast. Yeah, and it's it's all the little kind of the things that are built into it. You know that we're probably looking at a hadron collider. Uh, if you went into all of those QR codes that were on the in memoriam board from the last episode, or or um, might have been the pilot and you go chase them down there's all of this um these these reddit boards that have been created from 2015 where people are talking about like spots around the united states and the world where there's like electromagnetic fields that are loose uh and talking about these different worlds you know in oregon and brazil and wherever and so they're planting this kind of thought that you know prepare yourself for some sort of hadron collider or the quantum computer. Um, also, just picking up something from the the last episode, I find it very fascinating that Elliot has these kind of uh, basic skills. No, they're not basic skills, but that just I just can't imagine it. But Elliot built a PowerPoint presentation 
to show all of the insiders at at E-Corp. E-Corp. Mm. I'm like, I can just only imagine him sitting down. And I want the extra sequence where Elliot sits down and builds a PowerPoint presentation. It just seems so beneath him. Yeah. It's hilarious. Or like watching him shop for lamps. File, insert. Right. Move just, this little thing like around. Shopping for bowls. I don't know. He's just, okay. Um, there, There's so many, I mean, like, these episodes are so packed in. And so just onion within onion. I think I've watched this episode three times. And was still like, but wait, but wait. And there's an homage to this and there's an homage to that. There's a lot of like shout outs to, again, Shining, that tracking scene as we go with Tyrell to the woods with the car. Uh, the music has been, again, more significant. And you could sit here all day and just talk about how this show is lovingly crafted that way. Oh, and another aside. This is a cool one. Um, Mr. Williams, Wallace Shawn's character. Um, people are like, he looks like Mr. Monopoly, which looks also like the F Society yeah. mask. But Cora Donna said in this interview, uh, Cora's giving great interviews every week that I just loved because he's telling you the stuff. Uh, he's like, he is based on one of Trump's lawyers, a guy who's actually named Ty Cobb. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah Ty Cobb. So that's who, who Sean, what Shawn's look is modeled after. Yeah. See all the stuff, all the stuff. I know um, one of his uh, his shysty associates. <laughs> I loved seeing Wallace Shawn on the show. Yeah, he was considered for um, Irving at one point. Oh, and and they, you know, Bobby Cannavale is. I mean, either one of those guys would have worked. They would bring a different energy to the screen. But I loved seeing him, um, Wallace Shawn, on screen. I hope he comes back, and he has another part in this. Um. What else? Film to sell. We talked about that. Talked about Cisco. Cisco Hamburger Man. The smile at the end. I'm still kind of. I'm still. I will have to see all ten episodes. The there's they're hitting you over the head with it. Young Elliot is sitting in the exam room. The doctor wants to talk to him away from the parents, possibly. He's suspicious of abuse. This is, again, what we find out in season two. And young Elliot's staring off into space. And you see the pamphlet about God, God's work in our lives or whatever. And we go across the room to the x-ray of his brain. And we go tight into the x-ray of the brain. And we pull out on the red wheelbarrow cover that looks very much like, you know, that design on these uh, these notebooks, you know, these black and white notebooks. And I'm like, they're telling us something with this. They're telling us, you know, maybe it is as simple as this is when the DID started or this is a phase shift where he's sitting there. And this is, what, two weeks before his father passes away. There's, there's definitely um, a lot to all of that. And they can be taken on the face. I think there's something deeper to that. And I think we're getting into... Those things. And we know the title of his notebook is Red Wheelbarrow. So, yeah. Which all originates from that one conversation outside the car with Tyrell. Yeah, when he's out at the Wonder Wheel going, oh. the Red Wheelbarrow, blah, 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 the glazed, blah, depends on, I don't have it memorized. I'm not going to, not going to do that. I feel like we could talk on and on forever, but no, who's going to listen to that? I'm um, looking forward to this season. Like every single episode, I'm like, 
what's going to happen next. I think they can't even do any justice with the previews because there's just shit coming out. Yeah. I do feel like they're going to wrap up this show after one more season. Um, and I hope that it survives the rating slump it's going through right now. It's still a good show. I mean, if you look at all the other shows that are on USA, it's still doing pretty good. It's like Walking Dead's ratings have dipped. Um, but there's still a monster on a monster on their network, so I don't think these shows are going to be going anywhere. And I'd like for people to, you know, give it a chance. I mean, I don't get any money off of it, but I just think it's a good show. I like it's, it so much. It is, yeah. Do it for me. Um, no, live your life. Do things for yourself. I think that's going to be it for me. Yeah, I just again, I, I'm really enjoying the show. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to think about. It is fun to think about. I like how they're playing with, even with like this sci-fi um, parallel universe idea, how they're putting it into real life. And they're using, you know, just devices of, of points of view within your just your own timeline to make you think about parallel universes. Right. And it's just fun. It's smart. To me, it's it's just clever. I think this is the goal that Ismail has. And not everybody digs that. Like, I mean, again, we talk about the return, uh, Twin Peaks of Return. I fucking loved it. Yeah. I, I loved not having my steak cut up for me. And and that's not a diss to anybody who, like, just wants to sit down and have their steak cut up for them. I mean, if you come back from a long day of work or you're going through whatever your shit is, sometimes I like to sit down and just watch. I don't watch a whole lot of it, but sometimes I like to just sit down and watch some reality television. Sometimes I'll just sit down and like watch a procedural and go, that feels really good because we got to the to the end. A lot of people get really frustrated by shows that you have to just spend that time. It totally depends on who you are, where you are in the moment, how tired you are, and how you consume your, consume your entertainment. But for me, I'm not trying to be an apologist for the show. I'm just saying for people who love these kinds of shows, I mean, it's up there for me. Um, I love a mystery. I love having to figure it out. It's... It's like my jam. So I hope we keep going and find out mo shit. Um, real quick, do we think the snowman's name is Kevin McAllister? <laughs> Does it matter? Well, I do. You think it's because Kevin McAllister? The, yeah, they had that, he had that talk with Darwin. Not snowman, I'm sorry. Mr. Robot's actual name that Elliot oh. gives him. You think he calls him Kevin? I don't know. It might be just another distraction. No, we know the snowman's called Kevin. Oh, okay. But is Mr. He goes, is that what he's still calling me, Mr. Robot? You know, is he... Was he really named Kevin? Or something... Is there something to that whole thing? Again, the show has me picking apart everything. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, take care of yourself out there. I'll be over here uh, with my big meaty hands drinking some Swedish tea from my number one dad cup. And eating Swedish fish. I'm going to go finish my box of Swedish fish. Nice. Have a good week, guys.